Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is February 8th, 2023. We continue with our series, Words for Life, and our word today is Perception. So can you understand the craziness of this world? Do things that relate to God or maybe spiritual things, do they seem confusing to you? Does the Bible make sense? Does the news that we see on TV or hear on the radio or the internet, does it make sense? Or is it all just crazy? Today we're going to talk about perceptions and how our perception may be driving our understanding of the world around us. You know, when we look at the Bible and spiritual topics, we sometimes have to look at the Jewish culture that existed 2,000 years ago. That culture demanded a respect to be paid to the interpretation of the laws and the scripture. Its perception is what paved the way for the rejection of Jesus. See, I pause because I'm trying to choose my words carefully. Not because I'm worried about offending, but because I want to convey truth Because this religious thinking can cloud our perception. We live in a world today where there's much religious thinking amongst believers. And we want to see the truth. Jesus is the truth. We want to see the truth and not be clouded by our perceptions. Likewise, we don't want the perceptions of the world. There is much occultic activity that is taking over. It's no longer just humanistic, atheistic thought. There's rampant Satanism, occulticism, that is beginning to embrace our culture and indoctrinate our perception. So let us begin with this Discussion on perception. We're going to look at some scriptures and we're going to begin with Isaiah 58 verses 3 through 9. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate. And you strike with the fist of wickedness. 
You do not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. Again, that is Isaiah 58, 3-9. And here we see the, the prophet Isaiah speaking forth for the Lord. And he's addressing sort of this pompous religious attitude. See, there's this religious movement perception that's on the surface. Here they were fasting, a religious duty, but the Lord is is looking at them and calling it forth. He's going, you're fasting, but it's for strife and debate. In other words, you want to argue. You want to make divisions. It says you want to strike with fist of wickedness. You want to exploit your laborers. You do this for your own pleasure. You're spreading out sackcloth and ashes. That's what they used to do to show that they were mourning and repentant. They would not wear fancy stuff. But you see, the Lord's calling this down because on the outside, they were doing, quote, all the right things. I wear sackcloth. I put ashes on my head. I'll cry and I'll mourn. And, and it looks, I'll do my religious duty, my religious ritual look, look anti-holy. But they were using their fast as an excuse to debate, to stir up strife and division, to strike with fist of wickedness. They're fighting people. They're exploiting laborers. In other words, at this point, they were using their fast as a reason to uh, rip off people what they owed them. Do this job and do it for me for free because I'm doing this religious service. And and it was evil. It was wickedness. And the Lord is like, is this the fast that I have chosen? Because you see, they say this is what God requires of us. But it's not what God requires. It's just a way for them to look religious and spread evil, to spread wickedness. God was much more interested in saying, you want to really fast, why don't you loose the bonds of wickedness? Why don't you set the oppressed free? Why don't you break yokes to hold people down? Why don't you clothe the naked? Why don't you go get the poor and, and, and help them? You know, why, why don't you do these things? See, that's the fast God wants. See, when you're fasting, you're giving something up for a reason. I, I tell people all the time when we talk about fasting, if you're not going to eat food because you're going to fast, if you don't seek God in that time of 
skipping your meal. Like if you're not going to eat lunch, then you should take that time of lunch when you're eating to seek God, to pray, to read the scriptures, to 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 meditate, to, to, to on Him, to to seek Him out. If you're not doing that, then you're just going hungry. You're not actually fasting that God wants. You're just going hungry. And then likewise, in these words that God is saying, why don't you sacrifice some of your pleasures to help others, which is what God desires, rather than than fight others and do wicked things to others? You're, you're doing the religious ritual, but you're doing evil. God's like, that's not what I want. I would rather you Go ahead and eat and do good. That the the, the doing that that good portion, the helping uh, the helping uh, people, thinking of others. That's if you're doing that, it's more of a fast than what they're doing. Because see, God's not into this religious idea. And at this time, the Jews they had a real pompous religious idea. It's all on the surface, but it's not in the heart, and it causes alienation. Not only are they alienated separated from God, but that alienates others from God. You see, God's not looking for us to go to some temple like they did and and do this stuff. Um, that's, that's, that's a religious deception. And that deception causes a religious perception. I'm talking about, you know, we're talking perception. See, their perception is this is how you have to be to be holy, but it wasn't. It blinds you. Their perception of what God wanted blinded them to the truth. See, God's interested in our heart. God desires to move in our lives. See, that last verse says, then your, your light shall break forth. Why? Because it's, 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 it's a heart issue. If you were really seeking God, if you're seeking Him and, and you want to do what He wants, it's not the action of Am I doing evil or good? It's just my heart. I want to see God. When you want that, your light breaks forth into these types of good works. And it's when that's breaking forth, God's saying, ah, now when you cry, I'm going to say, here I am. I don't take away the yoke in your midst. See, there's, when we fast for things, when we're doing these religious things, it's because we have a dire need. We need God to move. And oftentimes we're saying, oh, God, help me now. When we've really done something bad and we're not really wanting to seek him, we're just wanting to get out of our, our, our jam. And then we wonder why God, God doesn't answer us because God's not interested in freeing you from the consequences of your sin or bad decisions. We're supposed to repent and seek him. We should feel sorry in our hearts and want to seek him not to be saved. You know, here, God, I, I, I went out and borrowed all this money. And now I want you to pay it off because I'm, I'm scared of the consequences. That's not what God is interested, interested in. He's interested in your heart to seek him. Let's look at a passage over in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 12. Corinthians 2, 1 through 12. It reads, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and a power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, 
Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now I know I've taught a lot with this passage last year in our Chronicles of the Kingdom series. And I don't want to rehash all that teaching, obviously. But we're here talking about perception, and we have to understand that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is freely giving us understanding. He's freely giving us things that God wants us to know. I love that passage that I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for us, those who love him. Um, I have an active imagination. Oh, I can think of all kinds of things. And for the word of God to say that no matter the wildest things I can dream up, the things that I would really like to have, I just, oh, if God would just, the perfect thing, the things I could dream up is still not even close to what God has. I, I can't possibly, you and I can't think of the best thing that you can think of. It's not even close. It's not even close. God has got such good things prepared for us. And our perception you know, guides us. But you see, there's this religious perception that's out there, and it blinds us. It blinds us to the truth. There's so much of this passage, the, 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 the perception, the knowledge, the wisdom of the world is foolishness. See, the world's perception is when it looks that the things of God is weak, the world is in fear, as much trembling. That is so true of our world today. Our world doesn't want to be weak. It's in weakness, but it thinks it wants to be strong, so it's looking for strength. There's fear. I mean, just look at the news. Every day you hear, they're peddling fear. They're selling you fear. You never hear anything that's going to build you up in strength. It's all about fear. And you need to prepare yourself. All those bad things are going to come get you. Look at that. There's bad things getting these people over here. It's going to come get you. And they want trembling. See, that's, that's the word. That's the world. And that's human perception. And it's foolishness. But you see, God is about power. A demonstration of power. It's not wisdom built on men's wisdom, but God's wisdom. And the world's perception attempts to blind us. God has given us his spirit. He's revealing the mysteries, the deep hidden things of God. He's revealing that to you, his people. We need to understand and see things the way God sees them. He's the one moving. We need to see God moving. We need his power in our life. We need to see him changing things. 
We get desperate. We go, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. He's moving. I need to see things as God sees things so I know how to move. So I know how to let his light shine forth and break forth in my life. I need that. The world can't see these things. So we need a heavenly perception. Not one of the world of what our flesh desires. And we have to understand this. When we talk about perception, we're talking about perceiving. It, can you perceive this? It's not just a scene, you know. I, you know, I, I perceive there's a, a car coming over the hill. No, it, it's part of that. But perceiving or perception is your understanding. You know, do you understand this? And and our perception, though, and this includes this is our scene. It perception determines our understanding. If we have a worldly or religious, I'm talking to believers here, people that believe and read the Bible, I'm assuming that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't like to read the Bible, if you don't like to see God, you're not going to listen to these podcasts because they're pretty boring. But if you're seeking to understand this and you're, you're digging this, you understand that's what I'm trying to tell you. And so we have to be careful being religious, having a religious perception that clouds our understanding of what it is God desires for us, what God wants to do in our life. And if we allow that to cloud, then we become like these Pharisees that are doing fast religious rituals that look good on the outside, but they have no meaning inside, and they don't bring about God's moving in our life because God doesn't respond to rituals. God doesn't respond to these human works like this. God responds to our heart and truthfulness and when he does that his light shines upon us his glory falls upon us his power is going to demonstrate it in our lives and that's when suddenly the things we do matter that's when the things we do change things it changes our life and it changes the lives of those around us and that brings us to the last passage i want to look at this is in matthew Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Perception. There's so much perception in this passage. Understanding. How can you... You see, see, he talks about those scribes and those Pharisees. Unless you surpass their righteousness, 
Well, they weren't righteous. They had an outward righteousness, but they didn't have an inward righteousness. And that gets to the very beginning. Well, not, excuse me, not the very beginning. Um, it's more like halfway through verse 17 of that. He says, do not think that came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. See, their religious perception was a certain way when it came to the law, the Old Testament. Uh, They called it the law, the Torah. Um, The first five books of the Old Testament was the law, the Torah. And it shaped everything, everything that they believed and all their traditions. And and they believed the Messiah was going to come in a certain way and would have to do certain things. That was their perception, their understanding. And when Jesus came, he didn't meet their perception. And because he didn't, they could not understand what he was doing. And because of this, to them, it looked as if he was going to destroy everything they believed. He was going to destroy the Torah. He was going to destroy the law. He was going to put all that down. Even today, there are Christians in churches, and they they take this passage, and they use the same type of religious perception the Pharisees did, and they believe that Jesus has destroyed the law, that they no longer have to keep the law, that the law doesn't mean anything, and and they can just do whatever they want to. Um, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said he has came to not destroy the law, but to fulfill it. You see, the law is still active today, all the way down to today. And I say that, does that mean that we have to not eat pig, we can't eat pig, and we we there's all these rules and regulations. I need to go make sacrifices and keep the feast of tabernacles, and I need to all no, Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus completed and fulfilled the law. See, the law is still in full effect, but Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. You see, if you were to go down and you want to buy a house and you fill out a contract and now you're obligated to fulfill that contract um, and the day comes and you, you, you suddenly have all the money. If you don't have the money to pay for that contract, then you lose the house, you lose everything. Jesus came and fulfilled our contract. See, we couldn't fulfill the law, and so the law condemned us. Jesus came and paid the price. He fulfilled the contract. If you pay off your home, if you pay all the money you own on your home, the contract is not void. The contract is now fulfilled. The contract still exists. The contract says you pay this money, the house is yours. You've now fulfilled that contract. The home is yours. It is fulfilled. The contract doesn't go away. You have ownership of that home, and that contract will be in full effect for as long as you want to own the home. It's in full effect. You own it. You paid for it. You own it. Jesus fulfilled the law. So if you don't want Jesus to make your payment, then you must fulfill it. It's in effect right now. You will stand before God without Jesus Christ, and you will have to fulfill the law, which we cannot do, and then you will be condemned by that law. If you allow Jesus Christ to 
make your payment. You believe that he suffered and died for your sins, that he is the one making a payment and you receive that and accept that. Then when you stand before the Lord, your payment for that law, your, your, your defense your, everything about that is Jesus Christ. When God looks at you on, on the stand, he sees Jesus. Jesus now stands between us and the law. He fulfills all the requirements and we are now innocent. We're now free. Um, that, that's important to understand because this passage gets into that because we're the light of the world. Now, how, how am I the salt? How am I the light? Jesus is the light. That's right. And, and his righteousness comes to us because he's the fulfillment to that. How can I exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and all them? Well, I, I, I exceed it because Jesus fulfills it. The light, I am now the light of the world because Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God, who reveals all things and is with me, is now in me. Jesus, the light in me. His light, just like Isaiah, his light will dawn upon us. The glory of the Lord will overcome us. The glory of the Lord is Jesus Christ. If he is in my life, he dawns out his light, his life. This this dawns out in my life. And now because he's lighting up, he's dawned out, his glory is upon me. Now suddenly I am free to help the poor, help the needy. I can do these things and God will show up in power to help do that, to change lives. Sure, you can attempt to feed the poor and clothe people without Jesus. But you'll end up being like the Pharisees and make a religious ritual out of it. And you'll end up with debate and strife. And you'll end up hurting people and wickedness. Um, how do I know this? Because look at so, so many government programs to help people. Does welfare help anybody? No, it keeps people in poverty. On paper, the idea is we're going to give people money and help them. It sounds good. We all want that. But the reality is when you see people living in welfare and in their communities, they're suffering. They're suffering greatly. Why is that? Because anytime we try to help people outside of Jesus, it doesn't go the way we think it should. It just doesn't. Only the power of God can truly set people free. So with that, we need the Lord to break our perceptions. I don't want to do things in my own strength, and I don't want to do things as the world. I don't want to end up like a Pharisee who allows my religious ideas to to keep me from seeing the real Jesus, to, to have my heart encounter him, to see him mold me and change me, and to change others. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. That you love us, God. Lord, I pray right now for our perception, God. That we wouldn't be blinded by ritual and religious ideas and beliefs. We want the true you. God, your word says that you can open our eyes and give us wisdom, God. That you can reveal things. And Lord, I ask that you would do that. That you would touch myself and anyone listening right now by your spirit in the name of Jesus that you would open up our perception God give us understanding about your word God that we wouldn't see religion but that we would see you we would see you and that you would fill our life God that your spirit would dwell in us that you would fill us up with you and your love and your power God 
to make changes and differences in our lives and in the lives around us. God, I thank you that you haven't abandoned us. We give you praise in what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast, Words for Life. We hope this one has encouraged you, that the Lord is is helping to transform you. You know, you can always feel free to drop us a line. You can contact us from our website, www.christianimpact.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Christian Impact Ministries. You can always drop us a line or or like our page there. Um, Again, also you can check out some of the opportunities and things with our ministry. And until next time, God bless. (laughs) 